0: have your Bible there, turn it open to Luke chapter 8, verse 1. I'm going to read all the way through to verse 21. If you don't have your Bible, that's okay. It should appear up on your screen. Luke chapter 8, verse 1. This is the word of God. So afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager. And Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their means. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. And he said these things. He called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard and the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a little while and in time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed. But puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest. Nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear. For to one who has more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Would you pray with me? Lord God, this morning, as we come to your word, we ask, show us more of Jesus. Lord God, we desperately need more of Christ. We need to hear from him. We need to be changed by him. We need to be spoken to in and through this word, this life transforming word of yours. So we invite you, Lord God, through your Holy Spirit, wherever we might be uh, around this city of ours, speak to us, change us, help us to see Christ. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. Well, friends, I want to begin by asking you a question this morning. And the question is this, have you ever been in a conversation where you've not been listening properly? You know, after church, uh, some years ago at the end of the service, I joined a group discussion and uh, someone, a dear brother from our church, he was sharing about how his wife and kids were going through a really difficult time. There had been prolonged sickness after sickness. Uh, And they were finding things really tough. But for some reason, I got distracted in the middle of this brother's sharing. And I found my mind kind of beginning to wander somewhere else. I'm not really sure what I was thinking about. Uh, Usually around this time of year, you know, heading into term four, my mind tends to start wandering off to think about things like holidays. And almost like a reflex, Almost without being able to control it, the words came out of my mouth as this brother was sharing. Ah, bro, that's so great. And this brother called me out on it. He stopped in the middle of what he was saying and he said, Brendo, have you even been listening to anything I just said? Apparently not. I wonder if you can relate. Maybe that's your challenge even right now. A kid screaming or jumping on the couch. Uh, The constant temptation to check social media or the news cycle. Finding yourself distracted. You know, we live in an extremely distracting world where there's so many things vying for our attention. There's a whole lot of noise. It's one thing to be distracted when it comes to personal conversations. But it's another thing to be distracted and find yourself not listening when God is speaking to you. But the power, the life-changing truth, the wisdom contained within this word, God's word, we ignore this, friends, at our own peril. You see, Jesus this morning wants to show his disciples, he wants to slow them down, to show them, to carefully consider the truth of whether they are, in fact, listening See, this passage is a somber warning from Jesus this morning. It's a somber warning not to take lightly the word of God, but to receive it with humble reverence. This morning, I've entitled uh, our message, if you're taking notes, take care how you hear. And really, I have two points for us this morning, two points that come straight from our passage. That is three ways not to hear and three ways to truly hear. Two points for us this morning, but one take-home message, one main point that I'm going to be driving away from, and it actually conveniently comes from Jesus this morning. He says this in verse 18, summarizing all that's followed. He says, Take care then, or perhaps even better, therefore how you hear. One point for us that this morning, church, that is that we would take care to listen to the word of God. That's what Jesus is driving us to this morning. That's what we're going together as a church this morning is to take care to listen to the word of God. So let's dive right into point number three ways not to hear. You know, last week we heard the beautiful story, uh, such a beautiful story about the sinful woman in Simon the Pharisee's home, who was so moved, so deeply moved by the grace that she had received that that she shows this extravagant devotion towards the Lord Jesus. And so Simon the Pharisee, who's just blinded to his own sinfulness and need for Jesus, he's outraged by what happens with this woman. And yet she's an example of true discipleship. She's an example of the right way to respond to Jesus. Well, we learned this week that she was not just the perfect example of the right response to Jesus, but she was one of many perfect examples who were, in fact, following Jesus around. So why don't you read with me those first few verses of our passage? It says, Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager. And Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their means. You know, Jesus is traveling around with his group of 12 disciples, but also with many women. Many of these women had been miraculously healed by Jesus and had then devoted themselves to caring for Jesus and the twelve. You know, in John's gospel in chapter 12, we learned that the disciples had this shared money bag that was being overseen by Judas. And yet this is the only passage that mentions how that money bag was filled. What we learn from this, this, uh, this passage is that many of these women had devoted their very own possessions to the support of the 12 disciples and Jesus. It's such a beautiful, beautiful picture. You see, it's countercultural. At this time, women were marginalized. And here they're some of his closest disciples. It also reveals that Jesus' teaching was beginning to spread and spread and spread even to the highest levels of society. With Joanna, the wife of a senior servant in Herod, Herod the, the Tetrarch's house himself, having come to faith and following him. His message was spreading far and wide. And a crowd had gathered. And so Jesus was beginning to teach people in a parable. You know, if you knew it to the Bible this morning, a parable is simply an earthy story that takes things from every everyday experience, things that people would be super familiar with and tries to teach a spiritual truth in and through that story, that example. And this teaches a parable that is, or Jesus teaches a parable that is often referred to as the parable of the sower, but perhaps would be better called the parable of the soils. Jesus lived in a time when most people were subsistence farmers. They were farming the land in order to earn enough just to survive each and every day. And so what Jesus describes would have been super vivid and super familiar to his audience listening in. Why don't you read with me again from verse 4. It says, And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You see, the first century in Palestine, where Jesus was teaching, uh, was quite a dry and arid place. And so someone who was farming and sowing seed would need to sow a lot of seed in the hope that some of it would land on good soil and would take. And imagine a farmer with a bag of seed over his shoulder, emptying it out on the front. And he's just scooping and throwing seed far and wide in order to hope that some will grow. His disciples are puzzled. It's such a familiar situation. But what does it mean? And so they come to Jesus privately and they ask him. And we read the following in verses 9 and 10. And when the disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. What Jesus says next is incredible. You, it's emphatic. To you, disciples, God has given the mysteries, the secrets, the truths long hidden about his kingdom. God, by a mystery of his divine grace, has chosen to reveal truths hidden since the dawn of time to his disciples, to those who come to him seeking the truth. But a fulfillment of an ancient prophecy, his parables will cause some to experience a further hardening of heart. Jesus here is quoting from Isaiah uh, chapter 6 verse 9 right at the commissioning of Isaiah the prophet where it says and he said go and say to this people keep on hearing but do not understand keep on seeing but do not perceive make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears And understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. You know, what Jesus is saying here is that he is deliberately teaching in parables that those who have already rejected him, those who are disinterested or simply chasing it on the miracle, won't be able to hear what he's saying and will be hardened by his teaching. But notice this is the effect only for those who have already rejected him. The parables are designed to. Further harden those who have already rejected him. The truths in the parables will be heard, but then dismissed out of hand. But for those who come to him, seeking to understand, the secrets of the kingdom are given. See, Jesus then proceeds to explain the meaning of the parable of the soils to his followers. He says the following in verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed... Is the word of God. The parable of the soils is actually a parable about truly hearing and responding to the word of God. The seed that is sown represents God's word. It represents the Bible. Like a small seed has great power to germinate, to multiply, to grow and to produce fruit a hundred times what is sown. So too... With the word of God. And Jesus now goes on to explain that there are three ways that this seed, this word of God, is rendered ineffective, is not truly heard. And the first is this the word of God is not truly heard when it never gets a chance to sprout. And that is really the seed on the compacted soil. Read with me verse 12. The ones along the path are those who have heard, and the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. You know, when we hear path, we think footpath, we think concrete, you know, on a, on the side of a street or something like that. But you should think really more a path of desire. You know, where you see there's no footpath, but the the earth, the dirt has been so compacted that the grass no longer grows there anymore because people are walking on it. <laughs> And 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 that's what we're talking about here. Soil that's so compacted, so hard, it never even gets implanted with the seed in the first place. And so crows kind of swoop down and dig in and eat all the seed. well before germination even happens? Here's the message. For some people, their hearts are so hard towards God that the Word of God never even begins to germinate. It just bounces off. Also, the spiritual enemy of all mankind and God, make sure that the word is quickly removed and forgotten before it even has a chance. You know, I just think it's probably right to pause here and address those amongst us listening today that may be new to following Jesus. You know, we want to thank you so much for coming and joining our community, this this online service. You are so welcome here. We're, We're a community that loves Jesus and we love to help people to come to know Jesus. And this passage has several things to say to you without a softness of heart toward Jesus, without a desire to come to him and to listen, the seed of his word will never germinate in your heart and in your life. And you'll never experience its power. You see, there is a great enemy of all humanity that wants to snatch that seed away from you and stop you from listening. And so don't be surprised that if the moment you start pressing in to learn more about Jesus... You find that sickness strikes or work becomes suddenly a lot more difficult and burdensome or relational conflict begins to enter into your life. Birds are swooping. They want that seed, that seed of God's word snatched away from you because its aim in verse 12 is this to stop you from believing and being saved. You see, the message of the Bible is that people have forsaken God. People have turned their backs on him and therefore are deserving of his punishment, are separated from him. And yet the Lord God sent his son Jesus to come and pay our penalty for sin once and for all upon that cross. That he died in our place to, to forever be able to lead to our forgiveness from all our failings and sins before God, to be reconciled and rejoined to him, that we can enjoy an eternal life when he returns and restores the earth to once more be free from sin and corruption and where he walks forever with man as he always designed. And that gift is received simply through believing in him. And the enemy wants to snatch that word away from you so that you'll never have a chance to listen. So then how should you apply? What should you do? Well, simple. Just continue to pursue knowing Christ. Ask someone to read the Bible with you. Sign up to that alpha, that, that alpha course that Dave was talking about. We'll put the details in the YouTube link later on today. And just keep listening in. That's the first way in which... We can fail to hear is because the word never even gets a chance in the first place. But not just that. Moving on. The word of God is not truly heard. Secondly, when it never develops roots. And that is the seed on the uh, the shallow soil. Read with me verse 13. It says the following. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing... They fall away. You know, Jesus here is, again, speaking to people who were farmers and in a place where sometimes there would be a layer of really thin soil over the top of a rock, which would be nearly impossible to know was the case. And seed would sprout here, but it won't be able to develop deep roots. And so it will shrivel up in the sun. Similarly, it's possible to hear the good news of Jesus, to immediately respond with joy and faith and to give your life to following Jesus until things get tough, until things get difficult and suddenly that faith disappears and you change your mind. You know, if you're someone new to church and you're new to Jesus, you should know that following Jesus will lead to suffering. It will lead to difficulty in your life. Jesus says himself, pick up your cross and follow me daily. Jesus says there is a time of testing coming when difficulty strikes, when suffering strikes, when persecution strikes. And if the word does not have deep roots in the soil of your heart, it will shrivel and it will die. You I want to pause here. I think it's right to pause and address those in our midst that have newly begun following Jesus. You know, if you've recently professed faith in Christ, maybe you've been baptized, maybe you haven't even been baptized yet. It's brand new for you. I want to encourage you. Without deep roots, your new faith is in great danger. Trials are coming for you. And the word will shrivel and die Your heart without deep roots. And so I want to plead with you if you're new to following Jesus, listening in today, find someone to disciple you, find someone to help you go deeper, find someone to help you plug down deep into God's Word, to have deep roots in Him. There's possibly nothing more important than that for you. You're not sure who to ask? I just want to encourage you, contact one of the pastors here. We would love to help you. You can just email us at info at softgrace. You can even just post something on the group chat and we will be in contact with you. That's the second way not to hear is to be planted on shallow soil. But thirdly, the word of God is not truly heard when it is choked out by the world. And that is the seed in the weedy soil. You know, In our neighbourhood, there is perhaps no warning that what put the fear of God in our hearts more than this one. Read with me again, verse 14. And as for the, that what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. You know, some of the seed of God's word lands not only on the thin soil but on that which is filled with seeds. The seeds of weeds. The soil initially looks like good soil, but danger lurks within. It has other seeds in it. And the harvest grows with these seeds. And so it's imperceptible at first, but eventually these weeds. Take over and they strangle the harvest and it dies. And Jesus explains that these weeds represent three different realities. Cares, riches and pleasures of this life. Notice what's unique about Jesus's warning here is that none of the weeds are bad things in and of themselves. The cares of life, the various responsibilities and concerns of life, like children or career or marriage or relationships or life administration. Riches, things like money, possessions and investments. Pleasures of life, things like holidays and fine dining and exercise and rest and relaxation. These are all good things in and of themselves, but things which can become God things and slowly almost imperceptibly, take on a life of their own and begin to strangle the implanted word. Things like a career. You know, it was the promotion you always dreamed of and the hours so quickly were shown to be more than you expected. And yet the pay was so wonderful and it perfectly suited your gifts. And so you begin to compromise on your devotions on your attendance to church, and you begin to drift. And what was once your primary passion begins to move into the periphery? A relationship. You tell yourself, well, he has a faith. He really does. It's just different. But his passions, which are not for the things of Christ, begin to pull you away. And gradually you start feeling guilty when you come to church and you wonder, are people judging me? And you begin to step away. Children's extracurricular activities. You want to give your children every opportunity you never had. And the first time a final for their sport falls on Sunday, you tell yourself, it's just a one off. A foot in the door for what was about to become a pattern until you begin to say well it's only for a season and you don't even notice your heart beginning to call towards the things of christ homeownership you begin scrimping and saving for 10 years to get a deposit on the house of your dreams. It's modest, but it's just what you've always wanted. It has so much potential and you become endlessly consumed with odd jobs and projects and Christ begins to fall off the radar. Here's a difficult and important question I want us to consider this morning, church. What sort of soil are you in? Is there anything in your life that is beginning to choke the good seed of God's word for you? You know, this week as I was writing this message, I was just reminded of the Christian group uh, that was at my high school, Wollongong High School of Performing Arts. And as I reflect back on who, to my knowledge, is walking with Christ and who no longer is, It dawned on me that over the past 18 years, two-thirds of the people who 18 years ago would have called themselves Christians have now fallen away. You know, as a gardener, I've learned that weeds are easy to remove when they're small. You know, a patch of garden at the front of our place where there used to be a hedge when we uh, moved in was just filled with these like weeds as high as me. And uh, so i rip them all out and I've been putting things in. And periodically I just go along and I just like pluck these tiny little weeds out. And they just it takes a few seconds just to pull them out. It's so easy. You know, if there are any weeds in your soil, you're in a perilous position. They will choke you. The life of a Christian is one of constant repentance. It's constantly asking the Lord to reveal to us areas of disobedience and by his grace, repenting of them and changing in them. Are you detecting some weeds this morning? I just want to encourage you, do business with God. Well, when the word of God lands on soil that's so hard it does not germinate, when it lands on the thinnest of soils and never develops roots, and when it lands or when it is sown on soil with other seed, it will not be truly heard. And that is point number one for this morning. Three ways not to hear But finally, to come to our second point, three ways to hear. What are the qualities of the rich soil that will allow the seed of God's word to grow and bear fruit? Well, Jesus says it in verse 15. You read it with me this morning. He says this, as for those that are in the good soil, they are those who hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Hearing the word, holding it fast in an honest and good heart, and bearing fruit with patience. Well, we're just going to pause now and spend a little bit of time just unpacking those three different things that Jesus says. First of all, they are the ones who, hearing the word, hold it fast. And so point number one, those who truly hear, trust in God's word. You know, that word means to adhere firmly to, to hold to, to keep it in one's mind. It's not just that they've put to memory loads of Bible verses, although that's a really good idea and and that's a good thing to do. They take the truths, they take these promises of God and they cling to them. You know, this passage, it reminds me of uh, a famous passage in Jeremiah chapter 17, where the prophet says this. He says, thus says the Lord. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes his flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots in the stream. And does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and it's not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. You know, according to Jeremiah, there are only two places a person can put their trust. Man or God. To trust in man is to be planted in the desert or perhaps to be a seed on thin soil. Or perhaps to be a seed on a path. Or perhaps to be a seed with weeds. It's to bear no fruit. It's to be anxious in the year of drought. It is to see no good come. The seed in the bad soil can sprout up just fine. When difficulty comes, it's exposed. And yet verse 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Whose trust is the Lord. You see, The fruit of trusting in the Lord is to have the deepest of immovable roots and therefore it's to thrive in any season. You know, this week uh, I was reading up on tall trees and you might be surprised to hear that the tallest hardwood tree in the world is in Tasmania. It's called the centurion tree. It's a Hundred over a hundred meters in height, and it's over uh, four meters in diameter. Its trunk—it's a huge, huge tree. It's estimated to be over four hundred years old, and this tree, though it be four hundred years old, more than four hundred years old, continues to thrive because these roots that are planted down so deeply. Well, here's the question for us this morning, Church: In the midst of lockdown. How are we going trusting in his word? You know, truth is it's very easy to put our trust in man, you know, to trust our first sense of what is right or to look to government or to the news feed and the news cycle to find certainty and hope. You know, recently we've made our third attempt at booking a holiday holiday in jervis bay and you know it's gonna be in november and so what i can easily so easily find myself to is anxiously looking on the vaccine rollout to see we're up to okay projections radio we're going to reach the 70 percent here and that means we'll be okay if we reach that date and we should be fine to lock in our holiday and, and to watch it anxiously every day charting the progress of the vaccine rollout till we get our freedoms and potentially can go on a holiday but fixation on the news leads to anxiety How much better to fixate on the promises of God in his word. Promises like Philippians 4.19 that I've been reflecting on. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. What a beautiful peace giving promise to hold on to. And that is one of the ways we truly hear God's word. We hold fast to his word. But secondly, not just holding fast to it to truly hear it. It says, And bear fruit with patience. Those who truly hear have patience and they bear fruit. Jesus wants his disciples to see that those that are planted in good soil are those that bear fruit. Okay, by fruit, what sort of fruit does he have in mind? Well, he's not talking about physical fruit and he's not talking about making lots of money. He's talking about the fruits of the Holy Spirit. You see, those that fall on the rich soil take the word of God and they cling to it and they apply it and they produce this harvest of righteousness. You see, Jesus explains this further at the end of our passage. His mothers and his brothers are trying to speak with him about something and they're blocked by the large crowd that's around him. And so they send messages to call to Jesus to come out and speak with them. And Jesus says the following in verse 20 and 21. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those that hear the word of God and do it. You see, in our culture, there can be this idea that, that to believe in Jesus is simply just to agree with a bunch of ideas about Jesus and, and what he's like. But there's so much more to it than that. A Christian is someone who trusts in Jesus and follows him, follows his teaching, listens to him when he asks them to do things. It's this beautiful message that those who do that, those who follow him, he considers as his immediate family. You see, the good soil will lead to good fruit. But here's the thing. It will take time and it will require patience. See, a farmer knows well that seeds sown today will lead to a crop probably about three months at least away. And we live in such a fast paced culture with little patience. You know, I find myself getting irritated if a video takes 30 seconds to upload or to download. It's so easy to attempt trusting in God's word and to still find yourself feeling anxious and fearful and having the same struggles. And as a result, to just give up. But relationships don't work that way. You know, suppose I stopped talking to Charlotte for years on end. And yet today I reached out to her. Will we feel close again today? It's doubtful. It will require committed, patient perseverance in order to mend our relationship. And so Paul, after speaking to the Galatians about the fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, says in Galatians chapter 6 the following, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap from the flesh, reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. You see, those who are planted in the good soil, who truly hear the word of God, will bear fruit as they patiently persevere. Well, It's holding fast to the word. It's bearing fruit as we persevere. But also finally, it's hearing the word. They hold it fast in an honest and good heart. And that is those that truly hear have the right kind of heart. See, the truth is that to truly hear Christ and to truly trust in his words requires something more than just external obedience it actually requires a heart change. Just like the Pharisees who put on a great show for people and yet had hearts that were cold towards God, it's easy to act the part. It's easy to act like you love God and you love Christ and you're following him and yet have a heart that's stone cold towards him. And yet in verses 16 and 17, he compares his public teaching to a lion. Its purpose is to shine and make the path to God clear, not to be hidden away. But more than that, one day, says Jesus, his light will expose the dark recesses of every heart and every heart will be shown for what it is. Those that have been secretly holding on to things that they consider to be more important than the things of Christ, they'll be exposed and those things will be taken away. And here's the truth. The truth is... That it takes great humility to admit that you need help from God. It takes great humility to admit that your sense of what is right is often skewed and that you need to trust God. It takes great humility to admit that you have failed to live up to your own standards, let alone God's, and that you need forgiveness and mercy. But here's the question I want us to think. How can a person change their own heart? How can they make it humble? How can they make it honest and true when it's not? Well, Jesus, in explaining the meaning of the seed sown on the path, says the following in verse 12. He says this. The one sown on the path who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. Here he says, so that they may not believe and be saved. You know, Jesus is saying it so simply what is required for heart transformation, for salvation, is simply this, trusting in Christ. You know, the message of the gospel is that the divine son of God came and lived the perfect life that we could never have lived. And that he died the death of deaths on our place on that cross, that he reconciled us to God and that he is. Through his resurrection, now ascended on high to the right hand of God and sent his Holy Spirit to dwell in our hearts and change us and mold us to be more and more like him. The truth is when you repent of your sins and trust in him as your Lord and Savior, a great exchange takes all your sin and fills your heart and fills your life with the Holy Spirit and gives you new desire for him. He takes the will of God and he writes it on your heart. So that it becomes the very thing that you desire. The question to think about this morning is, how did we come to hear of the meaning of this parable in the first place? Well, it was because the disciples came and asked him. But why did the disciples come to Jesus and ask him his, the meaning of this parable? Well, it's because they were following Jesus. But why did the disciples begin to follow Jesus in the first place? Well, it's because he called them right at the beginning. He began the work of transforming their lives and he has begun the work of transforming our hearts and our lives and he will finish it. Well, just to close our time together, we've looked at three ways not to hear. We've looked at those three different ways to hear. I just want to end with a brief word of application as we come to the end of our time together this morning. And firstly, it's for those that are new to Jesus. This morning, I just want to just give you another challenge to give the Word of God a chance to germinate in your life. If you're new to Jesus, if you if you if you're just leaning in and looking in, and you haven't yet come to that place of following Him, I just want to encourage you: give this Word a chance to bear fruit, to to germinate and grow in your life. Take a step of faith and and read his word for yourself and ask him to reveal himself to you. Talk to someone who follows Jesus already and and ask for help to understand it or join Alpha. You know, Dave shared there's 21 people on the course. Actually, another two have signed up that I'm not sure he's aware of. I think there's 23 now on that course. Uh, People that don't know Jesus that are learning about him on the course. We'd love to have you come and join. There's room for more. But secondly, I just want to address those of us that are following Jesus. If you are following Jesus this morning, listening in, the message for us is simple. We need to take care how we hear. And the truth is that for me as a preacher, I can so often find myself not really listening to, but evaluating preaching and even the word of God. I can find myself thinking how this word might be useful to other people I know and love rather than first listening to it for myself. Because this word is a living word. It is the word of God. And it always has something first to say to me. And so I want to end our time together with a quote from the famous theologian B.B. Warfield that really encouraged me on this as he reflects on that verse 18 that Jesus has in our passage. Be careful how you hear. B.B. Warfield says this to end our time. And let me tell you straight out, That the preaching you find dull will be, will no more seem dull to you if you faithfully obey the master's precept. Take heed, take care how you hear. That if you do not find Christ in the conference room, it is because you do not take him there with you. If there is no fire in the pulpit, it falls to you to kindle it in the pews. No man can fail to meet with God in the sanctuary if he takes God there with him. Friends, will we take care to truly listen to the word of God. Would you pray with me? Well, God, we thank you that you are gracious and you are kind and you are good. And you've given us this beautiful, this matchless word, a word that is all about you and all about you revealed, which is you revealed in the person of your son, our Lord Jesus. Lord God, what a beautiful example Christ set for us, one of humility and gentleness, returning evil for love with kindness, even to the point of laying down his life for us. Lord, we long to be more like him. We long to learn from him. And so, Lord, we ask this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you give us a softness of heart to listen intently when he speaks and to live in the good of it always. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.